Hello and welcome back to Serial Bowls, our week two recap and week three preview. Patrick, how are we doing today? Doing pretty well. You know, we had a pretty solid chaotic week two. We love to see it. Everything's out in the open now. Teams are calibrated. We kind of get an identity of who's who and who's fraud. What about you, Ned? Uh, I'm feeling the same way. Uh, Let's just lead right into our first game that uh, echoes what you're saying. Oregon. 35, Ohio State, 28. Uh, this is big for the sport, I think, in a lot of ways, um, because so often the past few years, the Pac-12 has been irrelevant in terms of the playoff race uh, by about week three. So having a marquee win of, you know, one of the absolute Death Star programs in Ohio State uh, is good to me. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I uh, definitely did not think this was going to happen. I mean, if you told me that uh, Anthony Brown led Oregon and um, uh, uh, Thibodeau was going to be out and they'll win this game, I would have laughed in your face. Yeah. um, I truly could not believe – yeah, I just can't believe it either because there's, there's, you know, four or five programs – uh, you know, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, Oklahoma, who just do not lose in the regular season. They just don't. And yeah. Ohio State, especially, they're in that kind of that upper echelon three with Alabama and Clemson, where if you are not recruiting on that level that they are, and almost no one is, you don't beat them. Um, much less at home, much less in this manner where Oregon ran their ass to death. Yeah. I, yeah, that was that defense is very questionable now. Yeah, it's a it's a huge issue right now. Uh, they have injuries. They graduated a lot of guys to the NFL. Uh, that backup safety, um, I can't remember his name right now off the top of my head. He got toasted a few times. He took bad angles and he just wasn't fast enough. Did to you see up. he was looking at his wristband at one point and almost got beat because of that? Yeah. And he hmm. couldn't keep up with Verdell. He couldn't uh, keep up with Die. And they were the, you know, the plays Oregon was running. I read a really good piece by Richard Johnson uh, breaking down the film of this RPO they are running that they just ran over and over and over that Ohio State could not stop or, you know, refused to adjust. Um, after the game, Kerry Coons, the defensive coordinator, admitted that he needs to be better. And, buddy, you're telling me. Yeah, Ryan Day, I'm pretty sure he's already stripped him of uh, play calling duties where, let me tell you what, I don't think it's the play calling from Kerry Coombs. I think it's more of a scheme. I don't think these kids know what yeah. they're doing. Yeah, I, they, I saw that they were supposed to mix in some 4 5 this year, and then they instantly, once they got in trouble, went right back to a single high safety, and they don't have that Denzel Ward, Jeff Lakuda. They don't have those studs in the secondary to really run that sort of stuff. Yeah. And that was the issue here. Stroud um, was excellent. I mean, he threw for almost 500 yards. Yeah, he looked fine. He missed a few throws, but I mean, he had three yeah. what 100 yard receivers: the typical yeah. Wilson and Olave and Jackson Smith uh, Najigba. Yeah, he had uh, one the interception at the end of the game, and they were throwing a lot because they were losing. But to to me, um, he did look a little shaky against Minnesota in Week One. Uh, I didn't really see that here in Week Two. Yeah, he looked a lot better from week one for sure. Yeah, they they know what they're doing. Like you said, they have those dynamic receivers. 
Um, they were making big play after big play. and But Oregon did do a pretty decent job of bottling up the rushing attack. Travion Henderson, who had that huge touchdown in week one, was kept in check. Longest run was only 11 yards. Um, and I think, I don't know how repeatable this is as a blueprint because Oregon has some dudes, especially up front. But if you can keep Ohio State bottled up rushing and just try to dare Stroud to beat you, you know, maybe this will work. Um, again, I don't know how repeatable this is for teams yeah. in the Big Ten, um, especially since the teams with a good defense don't have an offense like this. Uh, we'll, uh, get to, we'll get to Iowa later. Yeah. Um, but uh, this was – it was a really exciting game. They were back and forth for a minute. Um Ohio State started charging back, and it looked like they were going to do it. You know, you've seen this how many times before. Ohio State, they're, eventually their superior talent wins out. But it didn't happen. Um, I think this is their first loss at home in five or six years. Damn. Yeah, I think it was the Baker Mayfield game against Oklahoma. Mm. I think that was the last time. And, you know, we talked about shaking up the sport, the season. Uh, Ohio State is behind the eight ball now. Uh, yep. Uh, and- I don't know, if, you know, the way it's going. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. It's just with that defense, I don't know, man. That's. Yeah, I as much as I'd like to believe that we we're going to see a new team in the playoff. Um, I mean, I guess Oregon was in the first one, but you know, until Ohio State is not in that Final Four uh, after Week Thirteen, uh, I, I think I'm always going to give them a chance. Now, Ohio State's biggest competition in the conference, um, Iowa, maybe you know after. They dismantled Iowa State 27-17. to 17. Uh, This yeah. was another classic Iowa game. They – Iowa State let Iowa play their game, which you came out due to beat them. Yeah. Um, I This is another L I took over the weekend. Uh, I for sure thought Iowa State could, you know, finally get that win over Iowa. But I was – I question Iowa's defense a little bit because they put Indiana, and I just I don't believe in Indiana that much. Yeah, uh, but they showed up, dude. Like that defense is good. They, I mean, if they continue to create t- turnovers, I don't think they'll lose. It's if they create yeah. turnovers and get that short field, uh, it's they have a win in the column. Yeah, uh, and that's exactly what they did. They turned Iowa State over a lot. Brock Purdy was not good. Um, the interceptions yeah. necessarily his fault. Some of them would bounce off his receiver's hands, but he just wasn't good enough. And I mean, thirteen for twenty-seven, one hundred and thirty. Yeah, he got yards. benched, didn't he? Yeah, too. He got, he got benched at the end. The Brock star hit Brock bottom. Yeah. Swish. Yeah. <laughs> Brees Hall, uh, sixty-nine yards. Nice on sixteen carries. Is that two weeks in a row? Nice. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Just not dynamic enough. Um, yeah. On the other side, Iowa was not very good on offense. Yeah, they had uh, 173 total yards. That's not. Are they good. the Washington football team of the NCAA? Yes. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, so too. They're going to have to win every game, 20 to 17, with maybe a defensive touchdown or two sprinkled in there. Yeah. Um, and I think Iowa fans like it like that. So. Yeah, I you know, mean, whatever, whatever a fun defense is always a great watch. 
Yeah, uh, this was, I was actually re-watching a little bit of this um, yesterday, because uh, ESPN U, I think, was replaying it, um, and it just felt the same as it did watching it live. Iowa just was more physical. Yeah. Hitting a little harder, they were sharper. I think that was a big part of it, too. They didn't make the same mistakes that Iowa State did. Um, and, like, there's a time when I think Iowa thought there was a fumble, or Iowa State thought they had turned Iowa over. They were going nuts, but the guy's knee was down. So that was like <clears throat> it was little stuff like that. Iowa State couldn't really catch catch a break. Um, do you want to hear a nice little fun fact about this game? Absolutely. In the third quarter, Iowa scored ten points. Do you want to know how many yards they had in that quarter? Um, I don't know. I'm gonna twenty-seven. Negative six. Oh yeah, that's what you like to hear, right? Yeah. There. <laughs> That's Iowa football. It's it's truly just a sight to behold with them. Um, I mean, if you have any positives for Iowa State, uh, Brees Hall had his 14th straight game with a touchdown. I believe that's a record in the NCAA. Yeah. Um, we probably saw – we might have seen the end of Brock Purdy. I think uh, their backup QB Hunter Deckers kind of added a little oomph on the offense when he got benched. He was um, better. Yeah, so we might be the new starter in Ames this weekend. Well, only time will tell, but yeah. it's not looking good for the Brock star. Yeah, they Iowa State, and they do get to lick their wounds a little bit. They, they're they going to a bad UNLV team, and they're going to a Baylor team that I don't rate uh, very much. Hosting Kansas, and they travel to Kansas State, who is now without their star quarterback due to a knee injury. So the schedule isn't bad here, and they still, you know, Iowa is a big in-state rival, but they they still haven't lost a Big 12 game. Yeah, yeah. So it's not over for them by any stretch of the imagination, and they have a fairly soft schedule up front here in the, in the conference. So I'm not ready to completely bury them, but I need to see them score more than 16 points, which yeah. – Oh, wait, sorry. They scored 17 this game. So I guess UNLV will score 18 – 19 and then by the time they get to Oklahoma maybe they'll have like 25 26 points uh, <laughs> will it be enough Ugh. yeah uh, and just kind of continuing on the theme you know Oregon won with running in defense Iowa won with running in defense uh, in our next game here Arkansas 40 Texas 21 Arkansas won with running in defense yeah Arkansas ran for 333 <sighs> yards yeah, this is a statement win for Sam Pittman, man. I mean, yeah. Well, to start with, Texas is not back. Let's just say that. Nope. Um, but I think you and I both had this matchup marked in our preview. Um, yeah. For both uh, conferences, Arkansas is not a bad team. They're a feisty competitive no. program. This is the game. I I did think Texas was going to win mainly due to Bijan Robinson, um, but they bottled him up. 19 carries, also 69 yards. Nice. Uh, one long run of 20 yards. Um, but I, he didn't really impose his will on the game like I thought he was going to. No. And it was Arkansas who was – This was – the storyline for this game will. was Arkansas for sure. Yeah. They were everywhere. Three sacks, 10 tackles for a loss, three quarterback hurries, four pass breakups. Um, they didn't pick – card or thompson off uh at all but they did um strip sack card once 
And the story for me is just I cannot believe how much they dominated on the ground. This is like that old school Arkansas. Yeah. Bad Felix Jones, <clears throat> Ellis type team. And Pittman, you know, he's an O-line coach by nature. He loves this. This is what he's built for. And, you know, with the way the SEC is going now, especially teams don't run the ball like this anymore. So it's kind of cool to me to find Arkansas going back to their true identity as a team that's just going to run the damn ball. Yeah, it's kind of like how um, they had Derek McFadden back in the day. Um, it's going to be very fun to watch them play SEC programs and see if they can stack up doing this. I mean, yeah. they outgained Texas 447 yards. They're 167. Like, yeah. they just pushed the Longhorns around. Um, yeah. Welcome to the SEC, Texas. This is what you're going to be facing a lot. Yeah. Uh, maybe, you know, after Texas beat a good UIL team, we shouldn't have been. Uh, yeah. They rocketed up the rankings to number 15. People are so eager for Texas. They won. We're back. Yep. And I get it. I remember <clears throat> them winning the Rose Bowl. I remember Colt McCoy getting the national title game. I get it. You know, it has an outsized, you know, thing in my head as well, but they aren't there yet. And Arkansas seems like they might be. And, you know, now, I mean, they have Georgia Southern this week, but then it was just announced today, maybe yesterday, that the SEC on CBS will be headed to the Texas A&M Arkansas game. Uh, in week four, mm. which this is, I mean, that's a huge opportunity for Arkansas to really make a big statement against a yep. top 10 team at home on, you know, in the premier window of the sport. Um, so that is a game, even though it's two weeks in advance, I'm already circling on my calendar, provided Arkansas does not lose to Georgia fucking Southern. <laughs> I don't think they will, but you never know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Right on to their opponent in that week four game, Texas A&M, 10, Colorado 7. Uh, Haynes King, Texas A&M's uh, freshman starting quarterback, went out early with a bad injury, and Zach Calzada came in, and he was booty, bro. He was terrible. Yeah, this game sucked. Um, Awful. You see, like it wasn't even like a good defensive fight, man. It was just nobody wanted to score. Yeah. Um, I mean, listen to this uh, second half drive chart. Punt, 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 fumble, punt, touchdown, <laughs> downs, end of game. Wow. I mean, who was watching this game and what is wrong with you? I, I tried a little bit. I think some of the other games were at halftime. And I think I watched a series and a half of an AM with the football and I was like, I can't do this. Uh, it was bad, and like you said, this wasn't even Colorado dominating. AM was bad. Colorado was bad on offense, too. Brendan Lewis, their quarterback, 89 yards. Yeah. I just, you can't be a number five team in the country and play like that. No. Against Colorado? Like, not, a, not an up-and-coming Colorado. It just yeah. it didn't make any sense to me. I was very confused what Jimbo Fisher was doing down there. It's you know, you think Calzada, maybe he just wasn't quite ready for it yet. They do have a get-right game this weekend against New Mexico. Um, and it, as, in terms of get-right games, that's a pretty good one. I need to see Calzada take a big step forward here uh, before – I mean, like I said, they have this big game against Arkansas in two weeks. It's crazy to say, but, like, that could determine who's going to get second place in the SEC West. Yeah. 
Uh, they, Absolutely. They can't afford to have another 10-point clunker like that. It was disgusting. Yeah. Uh, I... But it was 10-7, so as a fan of late 70s football, I'm kind of into it. Mm. I mean, when your clunker game Texas A&M, and you did, I mean, yeah. it, it's a W, but God, God damn. Yeah. Uh, another vintage throwback football game, Michigan 31, Washington 10. Another game where the team that could run the ball absolutely fucking dominated. <clears throat> Let me um, set this record straight here. Get this Washington football ass team into the Big Sky Conference. Get them out of here. What is going yeah. on with this program? They are awful. Yeah. They- uh, uh, kind of as a, actually, it's funny, you know, we do our notes independently. I have Washington's drive chart for the game ready. Here we go. Punt, 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 fumble, punt, end of the first half. Field goal, oh. touchdown, turnover on downs, turnover on downs. <laughs> it's like 10 drives. Awful. And to start, the, the thing that like really stuck out to me was it was 10 nothing at halftime. You know, while that's, you don't want to be losing by 10 points on the road, it wasn't insurmountable. Michigan didn't look, you know, uh, untouchable. They held them to two punts to close out the <laughs> Zero total yards. Uh, yeah, I mean, and and then the, the second half starts, and Michigan opens up with an eight-play, seventy-three-yard touchdown drive. Washington answers with a field goal drive, and then Michigan responds with a fourteen-play, seventy-five-yard touchdown. Yeah, uh, the fact that, that Michigan won the game and only threw for forty-four yards with having a quarterback that threw sixteen QBR—that's wild to me. I mean, they ran it down their damn throat. Yeah. It, <clears throat> It didn't matter. Like I, you know, I was, you know, half lit on the couch, and I'm like, oh, they're just gonna run the ball. And <laughs> what's Jimmy Lake doing for Washington? Wake up, dude! Like dude, you have the athletes. Here. This is the first time they've gone 0 and 2 since 2008. Oh, do you want to know where they finished that year? Was that was that Zero. Same, was that the same year of the Crapple Cup where I think Washington and Washington State were both 0 and 11? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they finished out zero and twelve, man. Then Washington State edged out that victory right there. We're and we're like we're heading to that again. Washington State sucks. Dude, too. They're bad. I, I don't know. I can't tell. I, I mean, they were never in this game, and I can't tell if it was bad play calling or they have bad players, and that's not good if you can't determine yeah. who's bad. Um, yeah. I mean, the very first play of the game was a delay of game. Like what? Like yeah. Hmm. The big house was popping. I haven't seen like that in a while. Not just because of COVID. Um, those fans are starting to believe a little bit. Harbaugh was quoting um, or referencing George Patton. And, oh, hell yeah. You know, he's in his bag. Mm. And then, you know, the Michigan War Dads, they love that shit. Michigan has a little bit of a swagger to him now. They uh, do. I kind of love sure. this shit. Um, it's exciting. Uh, you know, Michigan either needs to be 3-9 and nine or – 10 or no to yeah. really be interesting. I, I don't want any of this. Exactly. Exactly. Measure. It's yeah. Like, you're good. That's you're going to make a decent bowl game, but I, but I need the fireworks, baby. Yeah. I either want to see Jim Harbaugh absolutely crush it and bring Michigan back to glory or see him just suffer. So I can point and laugh at him. I don't want any of that in between bullshit. Yeah, absolutely. And right now, Michigan is on the path to being very good. They have an NIU team this week and Rutgers the week after. They're not losing those games. Um, so, you know, it, I don't want to say it, but maybe they, 
I'm starting to feel. I'm starting to feel a little bit with Michigan. If the, if they keep it up, I'm you're going to get me somewhat interested in the Ohio State Michigan game. That's right. Yeah, that's a game I've been interested in truly in. in four Since I was in college, years. maybe. Yeah, there's a one right after college. The 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 one where the the ball the spot you know yeah. Michigan fans are breaking out the the parallax effect. It was a wild time. Yeah. Anytime you get one of those arguments where people are just responding with technical screenshots to each other um, on opposite sides of the argument, that's how you know it's a good one. Yeah, and let's just say uh, Jimmy Lake with Washington, Coach, uh, he may be gone soon. Yeah, I mean, he – I was listening to a podcast, and they were explaining that maybe he sort of accelerated Chris Peterson's departure um, from Washington. Interesting. And – the brass at Washington was like, sure, that's fine. We want to be, we want to have a little bit of swagger around us. We want to be a team exciting and flashy and wins games. And you just got your ass whooped by Michigan after losing to an FCS team. Looks like they might've made a bit of a mistake there. A little bit of problem. Um, Speaking of mistakes, Stanford 42 USC. Actually, no, you don't get to be USC. Southern California, 28. I was – I didn't watch this game. I think I probably fell asleep. But yeah. when I woke up and found out that Stanford not only won, but absolutely demolished the Trojans, I couldn't believe it. I thought I was having a dream or something. Yeah. I mean, it, they got they got clapped so bad, USC fired their head coach. Yeah, this isn't even – you know, we, we talked about it in the Pac-12 preview. This isn't an Andrew Luck, Christian McCaffrey, hell, even a Kevin Hogan, Stanford. Uh, they, you know, there's no Toby Gerhardt here. There's no Kobe Fleener. This is a below-average, declining Stanford team that got their ass whipped by Kansas State last week. They couldn't move the ball at all. They scored seven points. I, I don't even know what they're doing. Like, what are they doing on offense? Like, yeah, they only got seven, you know, like – <clears throat> the offenses look so bland. I, yeah. The short passing doesn't make any sense to me when you have the tools to go deep. I mean, Kenan Slovis does not look good at all. Um, 27 and 42, 223, one pick six and a touchdown. No, thank you. This, uh, this It's another team, you know, it's with Wisconsin in the same issue. Their starter gets hurt and they hand the keys over to a, a freshman who comes in and he impresses. And initially, and then, you know, the upperclassman sees the right on the wall and he transfers. But now you look back and you say, whoops, maybe we shouldn't have done that. You know, JT Daniels is obviously the starting quarterback for a top five team. <clears throat> and Jack Cohn has been pretty dynamic for Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, while Mertz has struggled, while Slovis has struggled. And they let Nathaniel Pete on Stanford rush for 115 yards on six carries. Uh, Man. He, was averaging over 10 yards uh, a throw, two touchdowns, 97.7 QBR. Um, USC only had one turnover, and they got their ass whipped this bad. Didn't their kicker get uh, ejected opening kickoff for targeting? Yep. That really – that, that, that let everybody know how this game was going to go right there. And I was sort of high on USC this year. I, I liked what I, I saw. Was, I mean, they had the talent, man. They really did. Yeah. They, they, I mean, they still do. Yeah, I, I personally, I don't think they should have fired Clay Helton. I think the AD was just waiting. I think he had a three strike system and he was just waiting to do it yeah. <clears throat> because like in 2019, he gave a vote of confidence. And since then they were six and three and the three losses are to Iowa, which is a great program. 
the 2020 Pac-12 runner-up champion, Oregon, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> which is a great team. They just beat Ohio State. And then Stanford. So I get the Stanford loss, but come on. Like, I guess they just yeah. really want him out of there. Yeah, th- this this was a bad loss. Um, but firing your coach, why did you not if, – if, clearly they just didn't like this guy. They wanted yeah. – they brought in the new AD to clean up the issues uh, at USC. Obviously, the scandal with who's their face from Full House um, and all the pay-for-play stuff. The whole athletic department was rotten. They brought in a new AD, and ADs, they love running coaches out and making their own hires. But my question is, is why did we wait until halfway – not even halfway, two games in the season? Now, you're going to lose all your recruits because they're going to get negatively recruited against. And by the time the coach gets in there – who kn- I saw they're looking at Eric the enemy from the Chiefs. He could be on his staff until February. Uh, early yeah. signing days in de- it's, it's not it's, even early signing day anymore. Signing day is in December now. Yeah, and coaches aren't even on the radar to take interviews for head coaching spots. Now, as we're saying this, do you do you have any let's say predictions of who could be the next USC coach? I mean, the rumor has always been James Franklin. Yeah. Um, and I think if you asked me this at the beginning of this season, I would say, yeah, I think that that's a, that's going to happen. However, if he has Penn state rolling, like I think he does and we'll see, and we'll, we'll get to the Auburn preview shortly. You know, if they go out this week and beat the absolute shit out of Auburn, he's in a great situation in a great job. Why would he pick that up and go to, a dumpster fire right now. USC is broke. They might not have a good pool for his assistance and it's going to be a total rebuild job. I it's so I have questions about that. Maybe if Penn State sort of struggles again, he'll say maybe that's appealing to him, but if Penn State's a 10-11 win team this year, I can't yeah. see him looking at USC and be, that's a better option. For uh, I've heard options being um, Mario Cristobal, which I don't think is going to happen because A you have to owe um, uh, Helton ten million dollars on his buyout. Yeah. Whereas Cristobal buyout is around nine million, so yeah, that's way too much money. I've heard Luke Fickle from Cincinnati, um, the U.S. Uh, South Southern California's athletic director Mike Bone, um, hired him at Cincinnati. Right. So I could see them going that way, and that could be a possibility. Um. LOL, Urban Meyer, he could just straight up quit the NFL if it's you know not really that, going his way right now. Um, yeah. And the last one, like this, just came out today that is reported and sourced. Dan Mullen is interviewing for the position Ooh, tomorrow. That is spicy, which is wild to me. But hey, all right, Dan. I mean, I, that's not a good look on my part, on his part. Yeah, that's. Um... Yeah, I mean, that's Mullen has that reputation as being sort of a job hunter. Um, but again, it's the same situation. What's the appeal for me? I, I, I think if USC was smart, I understand that it's LA and they want to make this big, splashy hire, but they, I just don't think that they should do that. I mean, if you look at the successful hires right now, recently, it's guys like Luke Fickle, who's just a coordinator. Um, a guy like Matt Campbell, who came from Toledo to Iowa State, uh, and you look at the failures, and it's Scott Frost. Like that's a, a, it's been an absolute disaster for Nebraska. Yeah, 
basically anyone Tennessee has hired recently. Um, they, I just, I mean, I hope they make a bad hire. Fuck USC. I don't care about them. Hell yeah. Um, ever since the Bush push came, you know, yeah, when I was 12 or 13 or whatever, you know, I've had a burning hatred for them. Become irrelevant. And I hope they make the big, stupid, splashy NFL hire go crazy. Mm-hmm. But if I was a Trojans fan, that's not what I want. I want some substance here. I want someone who can recruit, who can keep kids in Southern California. Um, you referenced Mario Cristobal. He's kicking their ass in SoCal and recruiting. Either Of the top 25 SoCal recruits this year, 24 went somewhere else besides USC. Damn. Yep. And when she has such a talent advantage, you have to take advantage. You can't let people come in there and do that or you'll never win. Right. Especially Chip Kelly's got UCLA going a little bit, it looks like. Uh, and I know they don't want to be second fiddle in that town. Exactly. Yeah. It's a tough, tough, tall task for the next person in charge of that program. And Godspeed to you, sir. Yep. Um, another disappointing Pac-12 South result from this weekend. BYU 26, Utah 17. That is BYU's first win in this rivalry in nine years. That's the second Pac-12 team that BYU has beaten so far. Yep. This was a uh, goddamn crusade for the <laughs> Cougars. Um, they controlled the line of scrimmage almost the entire game. Um, yep. uh, Utah's defense is really known for getting off the field quick, and BYU went 11 for 13 on third down, which is killer. Um, yeah. It didn't help that their offense was being – playing really quickly on the field. So it could explain why their defense was so gassed and getting beat so often. But I mean, just the way that BYU was able to do that, like just the score doesn't really show it, but they controlled this game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Utah had to score 10 points in the fourth quarter to make this interesting. Charlie Brewer. I looked it up cause I had not seen a stat line like this for him in a while. The last time he had a quarterback rating this low, in a full game was November 2018 against TCU. Yeah. Um, BYU was creating a ton of havoc, like you said, on the line. He was sacked twice. He had six passes broken up, and he threw a pick, and Tavion Thomas lost a fumble as well. Utah just, could, <clears throat> they just couldn't get out of their own way um, in a lot of ways, and BYU punished them for it. Um, BYU is ranked now. Um, which I didn't really see coming. They lost a ton of talent to the NFL. Obviously losing a top five pick in Zach Wilson was always going to be a struggle, but I'm interested in what BYU has going on this week um, or this year. We'll, we'll get to their game this week. It's another Pac-12 team, another ranked Pac-12 team. Um, so that's they're just very interesting to me right now. Um, I think you are kind of cautious on Utah right now. Um, I think – they will be fine. Uh, it was just a really hard-fought game won by the better team in BYU. I just think Utah didn't give up their A game this week, uh, last weekend. And they will be, they'll have a bounce back. They'll be fine. That just – it might have been a little bit of a gut check for that program. Yeah, I think so too. And, and, yeah, and that's a good point. They are a very consistent program. I don't think this is going to uh, derail them by any measure. Okay, two more games from week two. You know, we'll call it the uh, – got to come up with a catchy name for this. We're covering the Notre Dame game. We're covering the Georgia game. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, Notre Dame 32, Toledo 29. Speaking of gut punches. Good Lord. 
Uh, I originally started this game on, I just had it on the laptop um, because I was anticipating throwing it on the big screen because I kind of thought Ohio State was going to pull away from Oregon. But I, I, I was locked into that game, obviously, while watching Notre Dame. Um, and I expected to kind of half watch this game the whole way and focus on Iowa, Iowa State. Um, but instead, I'm sitting there sweating a game against a fucking Mac team. Um, this was this was a weird game. Notre Dame really – they only made a few mistakes, but their mistakes were extremely costly. They gave up um, a 66-yard a 67-yard run play. They threw a pick six, and when they're moving the ball almost at will at the end of the game, it really, really looked like they were in control. Kyron Williams, their preseason All-American running back, had a bad fumble to get the ball right back to Toledo. Yeah. Um, it, it, took, you... it took Jack Cohn leading a crazy drive, right? And Toledo, frankly, making a ton of mistakes. They had some pass interference. They just kept letting Notre Dame get an extra five, 10 yards here and there. So Notre Dame scored a touchdown in 30 seconds to take the lead right back. And then when Toledo had the ball with their chance to tie it on a field goal, they started by getting an unsportsmanlike conduct on the kickoff. And then uh, Jason Cannell had some truly horrific clock management. That was the worst I've ever seen. That's like, honestly, that's fire. Uh, like, listen, like he had three timeouts to start the drive with 55 seconds or 59 yeah. seconds. Completes a pass short, the first down, doesn't call a timeout, wastes time. It's 41 seconds left on the clock. They're scrambling to the line, almost doesn't make it, so they call a timeout to avoid the delay of game and avoid the 10-second runoff. Yeah. And then he converts the first down, and in college football, clock stops after the first down. Yep. But nope, he decides to call another timeout while the clock stopped. Next play, fumble, game over. Yeah, like, it was – what? <laughs> That's bad. It was horrific. I mean, as an Irish fan, I was loving seeing it. Um, yeah, I was sitting there, I'm like, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? It felt like a joke. I was like, something, you know, they're sitting, they're, they're doing the old rope up. They're setting this up for something. Uh, it was disastrous. Notre Dame escapes. Um, Notre Dame has issues. They give up a lot of big plays. Some of that is a result of one or two missed tackles. They are uh, tied dead last with Arkansas State in most, um, I think, 60-plus yard plays allowed. And It's not great. No, and against Florida State and Toledo, that doesn't sink you. But against Wisconsin, Cincinnati, North Carolina, that could you know ruin your day. Do you uh, think that um, <clears throat> Notre Dame has a quarterback issue? Mm. Which, in terms of – so Jack Cohn – had when what 21 33 239 two touchdowns and interception but when tyler buckner went in he was three for three for 78 yards a touchdown and had seven rushes for 68 on the ground yeah that the entire offense like dynamically changed when buckner came in the issue for me right now and why i think that buckner might be the better option uh is because the offensive line is awful that's what i'm thinking too like he has a better way of get, eluding that pressure. And it, it's frustrating because for years it's been the opposite. They've had a dynamic offensive line and subpar skill position players. This year they have a good quarterback in Cone. Um, you saw the throws he made against Florida State and the throws he made late in this game. 
two great running backs, uh, the best tight end in the country, and you know three pretty good wideouts as well who can really make a difference um, down the field, which they haven't had in a while. But Cone has no time to throw the ball. They can't get into second and short, third and shorts because the same guys who ran for 120 yards a game last year are getting four yards a carry. Right. If they're lucky. I mean, I don't know how many times they had just some truly awful run plays just get instantly bottled up. They were sacked six times here. Yeah, 11 tackles for a loss. Um, six QB hurries for Toledo. Toledo, they're a MAC team. They got some good Power 5 transfers in. But again, Wisconsin against his own line, Cincinnati against his own line, that's a problem. Uh, and for, for me, that's part of the issue as well with the defense is the offense can't get going, and the defense has to run out there on short rest all the time. Um, I, so for me, I, I don't know. I, I want to try I see Buckner get some time as a true freshman. I like what Cone can bring down the field, but Kelly said in his press conference that Buckner was had, had specific plays for him this past week, but he said moving forward, they'll both have full access to the playbook. So maybe Buckner can throw down the field too. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Now on your end, do, does Georgia, after a 56-7 to win over UAB, do they have a quarterback controversy? After the uh, man delivered, man, I'd like I Friday afternoon I found out that JT Daniels was going to be out for the game, and I'm just sitting here like, when the hell did this happen? Like I, I hit like an oblique injury, so I was a little bit worried about who's going to be the quarterback because they have a lot of really good talent behind JT Daniels with their uh, five star players and their freshman quarterbacks. They have a guy named Carson Beck. They have uh, Vandergriff. Um, Thinking he's gonna go with one of those two, and then when I woke up Saturday and saw that Stetson Stetson Bennett was playing again, I was a little worried um, yeah. because we all saw how he played. Um, but by the end of the game, he threw 288 yards off of 10 passes and five touchdowns. So, uh, with that kind of stat line, normally it's a cause of concern for a QB controversy. But yeah. I honestly think that if Georgia was playing. Clemson again or Alabama, JT Daniels would have fought through injury and played. Yeah. I think, you know, Georgia came in this week thinking it's UAB. I mean, they're still a quality program. They're actually somewhat decent, um, but we should be okay. Yeah. And you got a conference game against South Carolina this week. There's no reason to risk injury against a QSA team when you're Georgia. Right. There just isn't. And it, it was definitely very great to see this offense produce. Yeah. Um, from instead of not scoring anything is Clemson. I mean, they, I mean, Brock Bowers, uh, the tight end is kind of having a coming out party recently. I mean, he had three catches for 107 yards. Granted, one of them was 89 yards, but it's yeah. really good to see the explosiveness, the explosiveness this offense can, uh, get if it's run properly. Yeah. All right. That is our week two game recaps. Now, a segment that I've really come to love in just our second week of doing it, studs and duds. Patrick, who's your stud? Uh, my stud this week, from our last week, was um, <clears throat> Memphis's wide receiver, Calvin Austin III. Uh, he caught six balls for 239 yards and three touchdowns. That is pretty damn good, man. 
Yeah, uh, I would say so. My stud is UVA quarterback Brennan Armstrong, 405 yards, five touchdowns, 27 of 36 passing, in an easy win over Illinois that weirdly kicked off at 11 a.m. Uh, I, I didn't hate it. You know, game day is great, but it, it's always nice to be able to switch to a real-life game uh, while it's going on. Yeah. Um, Boy, that Nebraska loss just looks worse and worse, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And, uh, you know, UVA's offense looks pretty damn good now, which is yeah. great to see for the Commonwealth. Yeah. Uh, who's your dad? Oh, my dad is Texas quarterback Hudson Card. He went 8 for 15, mm. 61 yards, like 14.9 QBR. Ne- needless to say, he's no longer the starter quarterback. I think Casey Thompson's now uh, in charge behind center. So uh, that's all she wrote for that guy. Yep. Uh, tough break for him. Yeah, going to need to see a little bit more out of him. Uh, my dud is the Naval Academy. Um, they are terrible right now. When you're a triple option team, you need to be able to run the ball. And when you can't run the ball at all, you're averaging literally less than 18 inches of carry. Um, you're not going to win many ball games. Uh, however, I think the bigger dud is Navy AD, who came in and went over the head coach's head and made him fire the offensive coordinator, Ivan Jasper. Yeah, that is their identity on offense right there. And um, Nehemiah Lolu and Jasper have been tr- friends, truly, in addition to co-workers for almost a decade. Um, Jasper's son needed life-saving heart surgery, and he was able to take advantage of the U.S. Naval Academy's resources. And so for some new AD to come in there over Niamatololo's head and pull a move like that was embarrassing, and it makes Navy look very bad for future coaches. Uh, Sort of a happy ending here. Niamatololo went back to the AD, asked for Jasper to get his job back, and he agreed uh, so now Jasper still is an OC, but he will be coaching the quarterbacks. But damn, that's a, I did not know that. That's awkward. Yeah. Ooh. I so, mean, good for him to get his job back, but that's that is something to keep an eye on with that program. Yeah, for your head coach to publicly come out and say this guy's an idiot. Yeah, they, yeah, he went over my head and did this. I can't believe he did this. Uh, and Neymar Lowe's had issues with Navy before. He says we need better facilities. Obviously, it's a little tough. They have a bit of a different mission statement than your uh, normal college football program. Right. But, you know, he was interested in the BYU and the Arizona jobs before. I do wonder if he's just like, I've had enough of this. See ya. Yep. I definitely could see a farewell happening shortly with that team. Speaking of seeing a farewell shortly, Patrick, who's your thought of the week? (laughs) Oh, man. Florida State. Uh, Mike Norvell. Get the fuck out of here, brother. Um, they lost to FCS Jacksonville State on the last play of the game. Yep. And they didn't play prevent defense. Mm-mm. Um, I don't know what they were thinking. I've listened to podcasts and people pointed pointed out like, hey, they you know they were trying to stop them from getting twenty yards so they can kick a game tying field goal. They had like a picket line of defenders, like uh, you know, twenty yards out, and I get that. But I mean, every team does prevent defense. When there's six seconds left in the clock, every team is going to try to go for that jugular shot. Yeah. And then on top of that, like they they got beat in the pass, 
and then the two defenders chasing after him, just the, the worst tackling effort I've ever seen. Like that make was – Make the tackle. It, make the tackle. It was easy to make the tackle. You could have stopped it, but they didn't. And they lost the FCS team. Florida State's once again the laughing stock of the NCAA. And I, I just – I don't see this Mike Novell project continuing. Like they haven't done anything since he's been there. Nothing. They haven't recruited well. They haven't won. And he's been there for a while. It's, it's, it's time, man. The high, the high water mark of Norvell's tenure at Florida State was convincing all of his players not to quit after he lied about talking to them about Black Lives Matter. Uh, and, then I their, mean, and their second high water mark was losing to Notre Dame. Uh, Great job, guys. This <laughs> was the largest upset in 40 years for Florida State. Awful. They're 26 and 0. Well, now 26 and 1 <laughs> against FCS teams. Willie Taggart could have won this game easily. Oh, and he, my God. In the 80s, preaching patience with Norvell. Taggart didn't get patience. See, they weren't like, hey, give us a little more time. Jacksonville's Tag- percentage was 3% before that play. 3%. Yeah. And it went like that in six seconds. And, I mean, even if we want to avoid, let's say Florida State makes that tackle. You're only scoring 20 points against Jacksonville State? Yeah, man. Jesus. Or 17 points, whatever it is. What? Come on, dude. I need a little more than that. Uh, my fraud of the week, they didn't lose, but it's Miami. That team's not good. Yeah, uh, man. D- uh, Derek King hasn't, I think, has thrown one pass, one touchdown pass all year so far. And I agree with you, man. It's oof. They they gave App State every opportunity to win that game. Yep. They ended up winning. Um, but d- – Dear King threw for 200 yards flat. That's not good enough. Um, they have a mean Michigan State coming to town this weekend. I can't say I like their chances. Um, they're not good. Manny Diaz, um, I've seen enough. I need I need something out of this team. Um, or he's out of here too. Uh, things are not going great in the state of Florida. We got Mullen. Maybe running off to USC, FSU, and Miami are an absolute shambles. Yep. It's, Washington uh, and Florida, man. Those two states. Yikes. It's, it's, it's tough out there. Yeah. All right, let's get to our week three preview. Not a crazy good slate, but we do have some bangers. Um, I have a fortune cookie here, and I would like to open it, and whatever this fortune says is going to be the mantra for week three. I'm Ooh, doing I love this that. on the fly. All right, open it up. I have some nice Chinese food for dinner tonight. All right, here we go. Your week three mantra or motto is you will have an opportunity to shine this week. Ooh. Whoa, look at this. All right. Um, there's some good There's some good matchups. I think teams will have an opportunity to shine. What do you think, Ned? I, I absolutely agree. We're going to start off here with the premier game, the return of that sweet, sweet SEC on CBS music. Uh Florida, Alabama. Uh, we're going to center our, our, our discussion here uh, from our first listener question from my former teammate down in Charlotte. Shout out, Andrew. He's a Gators fan, and he wants to know, is Florida more likely to compete in this game with Emory or Richardson at quarterback one? Um, this all depends on if Richardson's healthy. I don't know. He, like, tweaked his hamstring last week. I, I was doing some sh- – Research pre-show. He's practicing. He practiced okay. yesterday. He practiced today. I think he's going to be okay. We'll see. Um, 
I don't know you, Andrew, but I will tell you that I think Anthony Richardson is the quarterback to stick with. Um, I mean, the man averages 25 yards per his 11 carries, 75 yard, 75. Uh, I'm sorry, 17 passes um, per all of his passes he's thrown. Whereas Jones is 6.7 and 5.4, and he's thrown four picks. I think Richardson adds a very unique dynamic to the Gator offense, something that will help them pop. Going against a team like Alabama, I'm I'm on the Anthony Richardson trade. What about you, Ned? Me too. I sometimes you know I I try to be analytical and not let emotion uh, kind of control my mindset. But I when I watch Florida games, I just know it's Richardson. He looks better. He looks like he has more confidence. And like you said, he's a very dynamic athlete. And I think given Bama's front seven and how much havoc they can create, the more athletic you are, the better. So you can run out of there, spin out of sacks, turn, you know, what looks like surefire sacks into a two- and three-yard gain. That sort of stuff adds up. Turn a two-yard gain into a five-yard gain. I think Richardson is the better athlete who can accomplish things like that. Right. And with this matchup, I think Florida has a chance to punch Alabama in the mouth at the gate. Um, Alabama's a team that – has the least amount of questions on their program as a whole, but I'm concerned with their mentality. Um, I know Nick Saban last week before the game was complaining about how his team's not focused, hasn't played a full complete game yet. They're not, they don't respect their opponent and they only beat Mercer by 40, 48 to 14. Um, which More is points to me. Uh, yeah. In Miami. Yep. Yeah, that's yep. Yeah, it's just, I think – I mean, Bryce Long's not going to make mistakes. He, he's completed about 70% of passes, and um, Alabama's won the last seven games. Six of them have been by two touchdowns or more against the Gators. I think Florida has a chance to punch them in the mouth and see if they wake up, but I think Alabama might win this game still. Yeah. For, for me, honestly, it's not about the offense. I – because I think Florida can get into a 45-42 shootout. Yeah. They need to get some stops. And, yeah. I I mean, from what we've seen from Bryce Young, I don't know how realistic that is. Mm-hmm. But with they, Florida's offense isn't quite as good as it was last year. They don't have Tony. They don't have Kyle Pitts. Um, but, yeah, again, it's still pretty good. They just need – if they can get some turnovers, maybe even a pick six – Maybe we're looking at something here. 15 and a half is a huge spread. I kind of like Florida to cover. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I think this is going to be a really good game. And I really hope Rich. I hope so. Healthy. I hope it is. It, it'd yeah. be great for football if it was. Yeah. But, I mean, hell, Clemson's lost. Ohio State's lost. The, the belt, for whom the belt holds, Alabama. Come on. If we can get all three of those teams losing in consecutive weeks to open the season, I don't. It's, I'm good the rest of the way. I got what I need from the yeah, year. Yeah, it, it would be a truly chaotic year if this happens, and I would love to see it. I, I think I'm with you. I don't think Florida is going to um, let Alabama steamroll them by like three scores. I think they'll be able to keep it within two. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, the SC Championship game last year. Every time it looked like Bama was sort of shifting into that next gear. Florida just wouldn't let them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Mullen plays Florida, Alabama pretty well. 
Um, hopefully his head is in Gainesville and not in L.A. And we can get ourselves a good ball game. Uh, you know, like I said a little bit ago about Miami being a huge fraud, I feel like this is going to be Bryce Young's first real test. So yeah, um, maybe we could see him still be an absolute stud, or maybe we could see him sort of like C.J. Stroud at Ohio State and struggle a little bit. You know, I don't think he's going to stink or anything. But, you know, maybe they have to simplify the offense, keep him to the sidelines, um, you know, minimize his mistake potential. Right. Our second game uh, comes guided by another question from our friend Nick. What does Auburn have to do to pull the upset in Happy Valley? Um, I think Auburn has to play the perfect game. Um, this is a real test for the Tigers. Um, they've had an extremely laughable easy schedule so far with Akron and Alabama State. They average a score of 61 to 5 which, uh, from those two games. Um, I mean, Bo Nix has had a efficiency rating of over 200, and both Tank Bigsby and Jacrez uh, Hunter are averaging 10 yards a carry. But now they face P- Penn State, and that's not going to translate into this matchup, I don't think, unless. No. I mean, they got to play. The, I mean, they're playing in Happy Valley, and it's whiteout night. Um, Bo Nix averages 180 yards on the road and has nine touchdowns oh. and 10 picks. And nice. Sean Clifford has 26 touchdowns and 10 picks at home. I, I don't know. What does Auburn have to do? He, they, I mean, they have to play a perfect game, and I don't know if they can yeah. do it. I, for, for me, going to the, their offense, they have to hit the easy plays. They have to, Bo Nix has to make the easy throws. Yeah. And, you know, you see it all the time. A guy tries, he takes a swing pass that's going to lose three yards and he tries to make a play and it loses nine. Yeah. Uh, you know, the classic Kirk Cousins, you spin out of a sack and add 10 yards to the end of it. Uh, they can't, like we saw this last week with Washington and Michigan, Washington let that crowd run over them. Yep. And Auburn, they really have, they have to start well. They have to play efficiently, and they can't find themselves, you know, two minutes into the game, third and 17, or worse, four minutes into the game, down 7 nothing, third and 17. Uh, because on defense, they need to limit Penn State's efficiency on the ground, and they need to put them into those clear passing situations where they can, where they can kind of, you know, double-cover Dotson. They know Clifford's going to be looking that way. Um but if it's second and three, third and two, all the time for the Nittany Lions, a little play action, Dawson's running free down the sideline, 80-yard touchdown. Yeah, I have a feeling that Penn State's defense is going to make uh, Bo Nix like Graham Mertz Saturday. Um, yeah, I mean, Auburn's got obviously talent on the O-line. They're an SEC team. They recruit very well. But you can't sit here and tell me with absolute confidence that they have a better O-line in Wisconsin. Yeah. And – Penn State shredded that. Yep. Looked so good on defense. Their their front four especially. Um, and kind of what I was struck by by this question from Nick is that Auburn is the underdog by a full touchdown. They're six and a half point dogs. If you had told me that a year ago, I would not have believed you. Yeah, I think they have an inflated ranking um, because of how dominant they've been. Uh, on much inf- like very inferior opponents, and I think that is why they're ranked number twenty-two. Yeah, I still don't think they should be ranked. Um, no, just teams that the media thought were good. Yeah, so good. So they're like, I don't know, Auburn. 
Yeah. Um, I do have another interesting fun fact on this game. Um, in the regular season, when do you think the last time Auburn played a Big Ten team? Regular season. Man, I can't. I 1931. What? Yeah. That's wild. Unbelievable. I want to say it. The SEC is scared to schedule Big Ten teams. They are because they know what's going to happen. It's going to happen in Happy Valley Saturday. Yep. Uh, it's kind of sad to see, but hopefully the SEC can grow up a little bit and play some big boys. <laughs> <laughs> um, another game, a rivalry renewed. One of my favorite games growing up. Um, I think a lot of our listeners who are from Virginia probably have similar feelings. I'm not even a huge tech fan. But the Black Diamond Trophy is being renewed. West Virginia, Virginia Tech. I honestly don't have too much to say about this game from like a schematic standpoint yeah. or anything like that. I'm just excited to watch it. These games used to be awesome growing up, and I'm really happy that they're playing. Yeah, I mean, there was a stretch, I think, from 2002 to 2004 where one team was ranked in the top 15 and the other one was unranked, and every game ended in an upset. Like, yeah. this game has always been electric, and I'm glad it's back. Um, the only thing I really have on this game is um, West Virginia has been pretty good at shutting down offenses at home, keeping teams yep. under 300 yards for the last seven home games. Um, I don't think uh, Virginia Tech is going to be doing well offensively. Um, they lost their top tight end and I think maybe target and James Mitchell for the year. Yeah. Um, so they already have a tough little climb there. And I think West Virginia might be a less careless with the ball as they were with the uh, Terps. Yeah. Um, so I like te- I like West Virginia here, um, but it's I think it's going to be a classic yeah. hard fought game, and I think it's going to end in another upset. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you. Um, I need to see a little offense from Virginia Tech. Uh, yeah. You know, obviously they have a huge upset against North Carolina, but there's only 17 points. Middle Tennessee State is awful, and you're only scoring 35. Uh, you're probably going to need to score up in the 30s again uh, against you know a Big 12 team. We'll see if they can do it. Uh, we touched on this a little bit earlier. BYU plus two and a half against their third straight Pac-12 uh, South team, Arizona State. Um, BYU has got to be flying high. They won a they won against a very good Utah team we talked about earlier. Um, wonder is this a letdown spot after because obviously beating your primary in-state rival after nine years you may not be super focused on the next week's game yeah i mean they have a chance to pull a threes company and you know knock off three straight pac-12 teams um but they are playing arguably one of the better pac-12 teams this week in arizona state i mean um they have an extremely good rushing attack they rank 15th nationally at about 256 a game and BYU let Utah run it on them for 7.7 yards a carry. So that's going to be a tough challenge, I think. And on top yeah. of that, Arizona State's quarterback, Jaden Daniels, is throwing the ball pretty damn well with a like 73.2 completion percentage rate. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> it's, you know, it'd be fun to see BYU continually to uh, push around the Pac 12. Um, <clears throat> but I think. Uh, Arizona State is uh, Arizona State needs to win this game. And I think they will. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to see Arizona State play against a real team. Um, yeah, yeah. They was it Southern Utah and UNLV. 
Yeah, those are just those aren't real teams. Those are you're playing NCAA twelve and you're you know, you are playing FCS West or whatever. Like, come on. Like, uh so I'm excited to see Arizona State get into it with a real team. Like you said, uh Jaden Daniels is very interesting to me. You know, Arizona State has a lot of NCAA issues that are kind of coming to a head as we've talked about. So it's a lot of if not now, then when. And the Pac-12 is kind of flying high, so Arizona State needs to take advantage of uh, all the immediate attention they have right now and win this game. Our next game, uh, we touched on this a little bit in the studs. Virginia, UNC. Uh, Virginia's offense is rolling right now. Like we said, Arnold Sharp threw 405 yards and five touchdowns last week. Uh, they tore to William & Mary in week one. So uh, my question here is, can North Carolina slow this offense down? Uh, yes. Ooh, I think okay. they can. Um, I will say that UVA has probably the most potent offense since 1990, which is great for the program. I, I mean, I love watching UVA actually be fun to watch. Um, yeah. UNC has a four-year losing streak to UVA. Um, and UNC also has been able to keep offenses under 300 yards so far. And uh, they did look a lot better with their route win uh, for Georgia State, 59-17. I think they'll be able to keep UVA in check. I also think that this game will be close. Um, I'm going to take UNC here. Uh, it, you know, all four games that UNC has lost at Virginia has been by under 10 points. And I think that's going to happen again. Yeah, um, I think this will be a close one as well. I know it is in Chapel Hill, but um, I think this could actually be quite a shootout. Uh, yeah. That'd be really um, entertaining. And hell, I mean, you know, UNC already has a loss, so let's get crazy. Let's get UVA win here, put them in the driver's seat. Mm, Mac Brown's on the hot seat, folks. Yeah, let's go. Uh, um Another ACC team, we talked about them earlier in the fraud section. Michigan State is going to Miami. Miami's favored by six points. Um, I think Michigan State is going to get after their ass. Miami, at this point, Miami has to be absolutely gassed. They got killed by Alabama, run up and down the field, and then they were in an absolute dogfight with App State. Yeah, you got a great point. And yeah. then they play a Michigan State team who is going to eager to pop another team in the mouth after basically taking last week off against the FCS team. Yeah, yeah, like you were, I was just thinking about, you know, they have been getting run up and down the field the past two weeks, and they're coming up against a program that has this number sixth best rushing attack um, led by Kenneth Walker III. I mean, they're excellent on the run. <clears throat> yeah. And it's – for Miami's sake, I hope they can win this game. But, uh, you know, a few weeks ago we were talking about Michigan State and we weren't really impressed with this program. And they've really yeah. been showing up week in, week out. And, I mean, if they win this game, that's a, that's a huge statement win for this program. I mean, that completely changes their projection. Yeah. I, I, I like to imagine Miami wins this game. And, I mean, for uh, Manny Diaz's sake, I, yeah, he needs to win this game. Yeah. I, I think yeah. – uh, Michigan State is coming up against a somewhat decent-ish defense on paper uh, with talent. I think they'll run the damn ball. I think they'll run effectively, but I think it will sputter out by the end of the game, and I think Miami wins in the squeaky close game. Yeah, I think Miami wins as well. Um, I think this could be a game Yarrick King finally finds his stride a little bit. Um, but 
you know, if he struggles again, we're out here, he's throwing two, three picks. Um, we're going to have a few conversations about him losing his job as well as Diaz. Right. Quickly to Nebraska, Oklahoma. All I have here is LMAO. Um, yeah, uh, Scott Frost and Adrian Martinez have looked a lot better since getting embarrassed by Illinois. Uh, I mean, there have been 80 and 10 the last two weeks against Fordham and Buffalo. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> anyone looking for enough settlement in this game is going to be gravely disappointed because Sooners already got their wake up call with Tulane. So, yeah. like you said, LMAO, Boomer Sooner, Boomer Sooner by 90. Yeah, uh, it's also funny to think about that this game could have been that started all this realignment because Oklahoma asked Fox to put this at night and Fox said no. And so Oklahoma was like, we're sick of our TV deal. Let's talk to the SEC. Hell yeah. All to beat Nebraska by 30. Uh, quickly, Purdue is traveling to Notre Dame. Notre Dame is minus seven. Uh, my question to you and maybe more to myself is can Notre Dame get their head out of their ass? Uh, they're 0-2 against the spread. Notre Dame has been fighting for his life the last two weeks. Um, and I, I hope they can get their head out their ass. They're going against a pretty decent offense. I mean, they have one of the best wide receivers in the NCAA and David Bell. They're 10th in passing with 344 yards per game. And they also haven't allowed a passing touchdown on defense. <clears throat> so I think the Irish can hopefully – I mean, the way things have been trending, this could be an upset alert. This could be finally the upset that yeah. is not a matter of if but when um, for Notre Dame. But uh, this is going to be a make-or-break game for the Irish. And hopefully Chip Kelly's got these boys uh, pepped up and taking care of business for this weekend. Yeah, Purdue's starting running back, Xander Horvath is out, broken tibia. Um, so I think that advantage Irish again, but because like, they got to clean up the O-line, they got to clean up the big plays on defense. Uh, right. Quickly, this isn't on the rundown, but Georgia is a 31-and-a-half-point favorite at home against South Carolina. Uh, my only question to you is, do they cover? Yes. Okay. Um Second question, the over-under is 48. Does Georgia beat that score by themselves? Man, uh, <laughs> I'm going to say no because it's an SEC game. Um, but, uh, I just, you know, South Carolina almost lost to East, East Carolina. So uh, I, I don't think they're going to go over that by themselves. But it's it's Georgia's going to take care of business for sure. Okay. All right. Now uh, on to our Sickos game of the week. Mississippi State is going to the Liberty Bowl to take on Memphis. And Memphis, last I checked, is favored by a field goal. Yeah. These are two very potent offenses, I would say. Um, I think Memphis averages about 30, 300, uh, 341 pass, um, passing yards a game. It's 12th in the nation and 293 on the ground, which is 8th. And Mississippi State has a pretty very good air raid offense. Uh, this is going to be a shootout, I think. Um, it's going to be just beautiful in its entirety. You know, people are going to be hitting shots left and right. But I think Mississippi State might win this game. Uh, you know, Memphis always shows up. Yeah, I think this is going to be one of those classic Memphis SEC games. It's going to be complete and total dumpster fire. Uh, in the best sort of way. 
Uh, I, I, when you tag this as the sickest game of the week, I couldn't agree more. Very excited to watch this one play out. 89 degrees. It's going to be hot. Everyone's going to be pissed. I think we will see. I'm going to set the over under at one and a half players ejected. And I think I'm going to take the over on that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm talking about, baby. Okay. Uh, that's our week three rundown, real quick. Again, a little bit in the doldrums here. We're not quite into that sweet spot of uh, conference games where you don't really have LSU playing McNeese State anymore. Uh, week four here, we got – just looking at the SEC schedule. We got a few conference games popping again, so that'll be nice. Alabama's playing fucking Southern Miss. Come on, y'all. Anyway, um, let's get to our listener questions uh, what I thought was an interesting question was our from our friend Marshall. He said they're top three college quarterbacks right now, and their pro comparison uh, with the NFL starting. I thought this was this was a decent exercise, uh, and we identified the top three quarterbacks as Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, and DJ Wungale from Clemson. Uh, for me, Rattler, he's like James Winston to me. Wow. He, okay. He's an absolute stud physically. Uh, but he's also – he can make all the throws. Um, he's a dynamic player, but he's also good for three or four idiotic throws a game. Yeah. Um, I went with Patrick Mahomes. Um, okay. I think that's a good one too. He's pretty re- – he relies a little too much on his arm to get out of issues that develop in the pocket. And then on top of that, he's really good at scrambling to extend plays, but that can also lead to sacks – yeah, and why he can kind of get <clears throat> off to the wrong start with picks and dumb picks and whatnot. So that's I think that's who I think he kind of uh, mirrors in terms of ability. Okay, uh, who do you have for Sam Howell? Baker Mayfield. Oh, okay. I like um, that. They're both about the same size and have the similar arm strength, but I think Howell edges him a little bit in strength and more. Um, he's more athletic, I think. Yeah, I have Howell as Kirk Cousins because he's a fraud. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Boom. Uh, and, and DJU, um, it's – I mean, it's kind of cliche to say, but, like, I see a lot of Trevor Lawrence in him where he wow. is such a good athlete. And maybe it's just the Clemson Orange. Like, obviously, he's a little more built, uh, you know, across the chest than Lawrence's, but they were both really good athletes. And, you know, Lawrence is, uh, cause he's white, you know, we identify him as sneaky athletic, yeah. but he dusted that Ohio state secondary in uh, yeah, that game a couple of years ago. And so they both really have that a- elite athleticism and I don't see either of them, neither of them really make mistakes. Right. Um, I went with a throwback here. Uh, Dante Culpepper. Okay. Um, he is, you know, Dante Culpepper is – or DJU is very athletic for how big he is, and he has a much better arm. I mean, I think he can throw it 80 yards easy. Um, <clears throat> I, at first, I was leading Big Ben, but Big Ben's just got an arm, whereas Dante Culpepper was both athletic and kind of mobile and had a, a decent arm too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, our second question comes from our Gator fan, Fran Andrew. He asked, is it too early for soup season? Uh, I regret to inform you, Andrew, it is a little too early for soup season. October 1st. Uh, yeah, and for me, it's almost more of a feeling you need that. Once the high starts staying consistently more in the 70-degree range, 
Um, then I think that's more of soup season. We got the little tease with the cool fall weather the past two Saturdays. Yeah. Right now for me, it's like 90 degrees. Uh, I, I'm not having it. I don't like it one bit. Yeah, but we're getting to that area where we live where late September, mid-late September, it's kind of like you think falls here and they tease you early in the month and then the rest of the back half, it just starts getting hot again. You're like, come on, just give, give me the full thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. The the sun is setting a little bit later or uh, earlier, so at certain points in the day, you catch that light, that fall light, and you're like, "Great, it should be 65 degrees." And then you walk outside and start sweating. You said, "Nope." Yeah. Um, Patrick, what's your favorite soup? My favorite soup? Oh man, that's a tough question. I'm probably going to lean. So <clears throat> you showed me this. I don't know if it's necessarily a soup, but you showed me this. You made it for me like last year, carne and suhugo. Oh my gosh. Um, so I've made that a few times and it's low key, like my favorite soup. It's just flank steak, beans, broth. I mean, come on, man. You can't beat that. You can't get the tomatillos uh, to help make that broth. Uh, man, that might be mine too. Um, I love a good chowder. Uh, yeah. And chili is more of a stew, but, you know, that's out to chili, always. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, now we have a little wings place. It's football season. We're talking wings. Uh, Buffalo Wild Wings versus Hooters. Uh, our friend Zach Rowland asked us to rate each 1 to 10 for food and 1 to 10 for atmosphere. Uh, for me, I'll start with, with Hooters. I've only been to Hooters once, weirdly enough. Uh, they didn't necessarily have them growing up in Lexington, Virginia, if you can believe that. Um, I went once. The wings were all right. Um, it. I went on like a Tuesday afternoon. The vibes are terrible. It was sad. I felt bad being in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can be kind of a depressing place depending on the type of day and what day you go in. And it was in Mooresville, North Carolina, right off the highway. It, 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 it was a tough scene. I, didn't, I, I felt I felt like I need to take a shower after being in there. Yeah. Um, uh, I've been to Hooters a couple times. Um, I do think they have the better food. I think I'm going to lean with a uh, overall like a seven on the food scale um, for Hooters and a four on the atmosphere scale. Um, whereas B-dubs, I'm going to flip-flop that. I think I'm going to give them like a three or four for food because, I mean, I just I'm never impressed – I mean, they're wings and they're good, but they're like other food is not good. It looks like it's been microwaved. Yeah. But their atmosphere is sometimes electric on like, uh, you know, fall Saturdays or football Saturdays and Sundays. I mean, they have like one of the best commercials of hitting that overtime button. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a great place to go watch a game. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The food doesn't really wow me, but I feel like the atmosphere is better. Um you just feel like slugging some beers back, eating some wings. They don't even have to be that good. The beers don't have to be that good either. You're just hanging out. It's it's all about the atmosphere, I, I, I think. So I think I'm going to give the overall edge to B-dubs. Um, okay, uh, that is it for week uh, week two recap, week three preview. Uh, like, share, subscribe, whatever metrics work nowadays. Um, I, I think the most effective thing you can do is if you like this, uh, tell a friend or, um, steal your friend's phones and automatically subscribe them to us. Yes. Yes. Uh, get those questions in. Let us know if you have any suggestions.
or segments or ways we can structure the show. Um, we're, we're still pretty early on here, so we're certainly not set in our ways. So uh, let us know. Call us morons. Challenge us to abolish the death in the middle of the street. Whatever, you know. Yeah, y'all have a good one out there. Looking forward to a good slate. Um, stay sick out there, people.